1: We're gonna dive into our, our Q and A session after this, but I think I want to wrap it up with this before we get to the Q and A. I think the fact that we had such a hard time, not—I mean, all these guys are warm. I mean, I—I I wouldn't be shocked if they get any of these guys except Caleb Downs for reasons I've mentioned earlier. I wouldn't be shocked if they get Mike these at the bottom. It's just—you know—it's just you know, I—I I feel USC is—is is there. And that's why I wouldn't necessarily push back with your Caleb Downs having him at the bottom. I just feel like it, with him, it's it's at least it's trending up a little bit faster than it is for Micah T's. And that could just be my paranoia with the USC receiver. Because USC has been, my understanding, has been telling him receiver from jump. And that's the thing that's really helped USC emerge. I think he's a better fit at Notre Dame. But the position thing is, is going to be the big hang up there. And so they've got to convince him that they're going to give him a chance to to legitimately be a receiver. And then maybe they can have a shot to do that. So that's going to do it for the recruiting section, Ryan. Let's mm-hmm. dive into QA. and we're going to have a lot of – I mean, I've got like 34 different questions and comments start here. So we got a lot, a lot of stuff. I want to get to some of these. Super chats from Alan Watson. Thank you very much, Alan. Any still must-haves we need to lock up now that we have at least one of the top QBs? Yeah, I, I would say – look, I, I – top QB but he's in the 2024 class I'm sorry Dante Moore still got to be a priority for me we'll find out where that goes I'm not quite sure where that stands I know there's been a lot of rumors about such certain things I've been told that the main decision maker and makers at Notre Dame are still still want Dante Moore in a big way so we'll find out in the next week if that's true we're going to find out if Dante's still talking to Notre Dame commits like he's still looking at Notre Dame we'll find out you know what the Notre Dame staff is going to do, that's going to be a, a big part of this whole thing. But I think as far as must haves, they need to lock up. We've talked a lot about them. I mean, Ronan Hannafin, Jaden Greathouse, yeah, Monroe Freeling, Charles Jagasaw to me are must haves because they're they're I love the kids they have already, but Monroe and Charles are just you know, they're just different, they're just better. Yeah. You know, just, they're, they are Jason Moore, Jay Nalsbury, Christian Gray, Micah Bell, and yep. yeah, are huge. and 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 you know, like Caleb Downs, he's a must-have, but for a completely – him and Jason Moore are must-haves, but for completely different reasons. They're, They're not necessarily must-haves, not even luxuries. It's just you're not recruiting them because you have a need to fill from a number standpoint. You you have a what – what the need that you have to fill is you need game changers. And they are – even though you don't have a positional, like, numbers need for them, you have to get more – difference makers just when they're on the field they're just better than everybody else and I think those two kids uh, fit into that category and in, in in my view they, they just do and as much as I love Jaden Osbury he's a great player but like Jason Moore brings a, a size that you just can't teach right Caleb Downs brings some traits that you just can't teach and that that's what puts them in that category in my opinion so there's still mm-hmm. definitely some must-gets look Notre Dame is in a great position now with the number one class but there's still a lot of closing they need to do to maintain that number one, you know, top three sort of st- st- status in this class, in my opinion, Ryan. I don't know what your yeah. thoughts are about on that.
2: Yeah. No, nah, I mean, I mean, just kind of working through the question again, I mean, Notre Dame has a big opportunity to show that they can close, right, on, on some elite talent. So I, I think cornerback for me would be the top of, top of the list, and I think that Notre Dame has a, a big opportunity to kind of change a narrative this year. And We've talked a lot about that, but mm-hmm. – I think getting those cornerbacks is absolutely priority. I think the wide receiver board finishing that up. And then, you know, can you get at least one of Charles Jagusa and Monroe Freeling? Hopefully Notre Dame is able to get both and make that number work. But I think that those positions probably are the most important for me because you got to plan for the future offensive tackle and you need to replenish wide receiver and cornerback talent. Like Those are the two positions that I think really pop out to me in this question.
1: Yeah. All right, Alan Alan Watson also had another Super Chat. Again, thank you for that, Alan, very much. What I like is all the guys that are coming now sound like dudes. They walk different and they talk different than other years. No disrespect to anyone. I think that's fair. That's fair. It's fair. And I think that's part of the whole shopping down the correct aisle. You know, like Brian Kelly always said, we're shopping down a different aisle. Well, Marcus Freeman shopping down a different aisle from what Brian Kelly did. And this is what those guys sound like. And that's the reality of it. This is this is the way the recruitments go. You land a kid and schools aren't gonna stop recruiting them because they'd be fools to not try. Yeah, and, and I think you're right, Alan. I think that's a very good observation. These this is a this is what elite players walk and talk like. And mm-hmm. and especially elite players that are Notre Dame fits. Yes, they do walk and talk different. It's just that's just the reality of it. I mean, and you can talk to the greats that when they come I and mean, you listen to Jerome Bettis talk. Jerome Bettis was like that. When he was in Notre Dame, listen to Bryant Young talk. That didn't develop when he went to the Niners. That's why he was, a, a you know, an All-American in Notre Dame. Those guys are different, and they were kind of always that way. And I think there's a lot of guys like that in this class. No, yeah, no, no question about
2: that. I, I think one false falsity that we're kind of di- dispelling, I think, Brian, is that I think there's some people that – and this is what Marcus Freeman was talking about, you know, convincing players that their Notre Dame fits. It's like for the longest time I felt like they thought – that a Notre Dame fit was just a really studious, hardworking, quiet kid, right? And then anybody that has a little bit of swagger and kind of plays that, toes that line a little bit, isn't a real fit at Notre Dame. And I think you're kind of seeing this year in this class that you can have a Jade Nosberry that's both, right? That has mm-hmm. a swagger to him and can talk the game and can back it up with what he mm-hmm. does in the classroom and on the field. So I think it's just kind of merging ideologies a little bit. And I think they're just kind of dispelling that they can't be the same Notre Dame player, right? Like it's, it doesn't have to be a separating factor. It can be the same guy.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Jacob Kraft is Richard Young on campus today? Ryan, I have not heard for sure that he is, but his visit is supposed to start today. I'm not saying he didn't show up. I'm just saying I I can't tell you, yes, he's on campus today because I don't know what time his flight was supposed to get in and all that. I can just say that his visit is supposed to start today. And once we get confirmation that he's on campus, we'll put it on the message board and go from there.
2: Yeah, no, well said. 13th to the 15th, he was scheduled. We haven't seen any verification, but that is – the right. timeline that we got.
1: And so. he's not a super social media engaged kid. He's not. Let manager one says LSU seems to be the new Notre Dame. They're in every recruit's top five, but they're not uh, they're not going. I mean, what's the one common denominator between those oh, no. two programs? I'm just saying <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> a reason for that. Uh Scott Eurik, what is the best news to come out of this past weekend? Go Irish. Well, wouldn't it be uh your son? Uh, winning a couple uh, medals at the Special Olympics. I think that would probably yeah. be the best news to come out of this weekend. But uh, from a Notre Dame standpoint, Ryan, it's – I mean, you got the Baseball College World Series. You've got, you know, all the recruits. I think the, I think the best news coming out of this weekend is that I feel like Notre Dame is in a much better closing position with some guys that needed to be in. They, you know, Christian Gray, Ronan Hannafin, Jason Moore, um, Jaden Osbury, you know – Rico Flores, and then with some of those other guys, like Micah Tease and Caleb Downs, who we have less confidence in, there's no doubt that they made a move with both of those players. Like what you don't want to do is be trailing and then come out of the visit in the exact same position you were because then you're done. Will they get Caleb Downs? Will they get Micah Tease? We don't know. Have they put themselves in a position where they've got a better shot today than they did on Friday before the visit started? Absolutely. Right. And that's really right. where you want to be.
2: It's hard to pick, man. I mean cuz I mean I I I I we just I know we're football driven, but I mean Notre Dame upsetting Tennessee in in the uh in baseball was fantastic, man. I actually watched the end of that game cuz I don't I mean I honestly don't stay tapped into college baseball too much, but I did turn in to, to see the end of that when they're up 4-3 to three and then they had a two-run homer to increase the lead and did all that great stuff. So I think the best news is that there was no bad news coming out of the weekend, mm-hmm. right? Notre Dame baseball took care of business. And I think the coaches from the recruiting side took care of business. And to reiterate your point, you feel better about where Notre Dame is with certain guys. than you maybe were hopeful for before the visit, but you maybe didn't anticipate as much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. This next question from uh salty Virginia peanuts. Any chance Brian and or Ryan will be overcome by the need to dance live on the show? I can promise you. Unless, literally, unless the Holy Spirit just completely overwhelms me, uh, that ain't happening. What, what, and if,
2: what if what if Jay Nodsbury commits right now?
1: No, I'm, I mean, I I, I'm not dancing. I'm, I'm not, I, Now, I told somebody the other day I may try to do a backflip if they get him more and Caleb Downs and Christian Gray. If I got all of them, I say, I might try to do a backflip, but uh, that wouldn't be televised, I can assure you of that. Well, it may be good for me to televise it because then there would at least be witnesses to know that someone can call 911 uh, to send an ambulance and a gurney uh, to my house as quickly as possible.
2: Gurney. So,
1: <laughs> that, that would be needed immediately. But uh, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Rob Osgood, guys, in your opinion, are the Alabama-Georgia starting to take notice of what Marcus Freeman is going, uh, doing and what do you think they will do to combat it? Thanks for everything y'all do.
2: you talk? I mean, you've talked about this before, mm-hmm. Brian, right? Like, I, I think that yeah. for a long time... This is what teams have been kind of afraid of, right? It's that Notre Dame would kind of get woken up with a head coach or a leader that is not afraid to go toe-to-toe with the big dogs, right, the perceived big guys, and that's Alabama and Georgia. So, yeah, I think they're definitely taking notice. I think that they have thought that Notre Dame is kind of a sleeping giant if someone would wake them up a little bit here. So, yeah, I think they're taking notice. What is going to happen next? I think that you have to go about recruiting a little bit in some capacities. And I think that there's going to be a lot of negative recruiting to Notre Dame. And they're going to talk about a lot of the negatives involved with the Notre Dame program. And there's going to be a lot of slander over national title drought and weather, all that
1: nonsense. Yeah. But I
2: think that that just is a more of a, that's a good indication that Notre Dame is heading in the right direction. The fact that they are a little, I don't want to say afraid of Notre Dame, but they are definitely taking notice.
1: I think you're going to see like the negative recruiting is the biggest thing. That's what they're going to do, and then just try to beat Notre Dame when they play them. I mean, that's the thing is if you're if you're Clemson or Ohio State and you're going toe to toe Notre Dame, best thing to do is whoop them on the field. And then the same thing is true for Notre Dame. If you want to start beating Ohio State for more recruits, beat them on the field, right? I mean, that's the thing is you know you can Notre Dame fans can get mad all they want about you know being super underdogs at Ohio State. Well, guess what? If you didn't get your butt kicked every time Notre Dame had a big game you know, in the last decade, you wouldn't be 16 what, 14 and a half, 16 and a half, whatever it is, underdogs. You'd be underdogs, but it'd be, you know, more reasonable. That's just, that's the that's the reality. And that's the ultimate, the final thing that Marcus Freeman has to do is if he can prove that he can start winning, beating those teams, something Brian Kelly couldn't do, that's that's when their name becomes really, really hard to beat, really hard to beat on the recruiting trail uh, for kids. And so that, that's when they start, you know, look, when you're battling Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, Georgia, you're going to lose battles to them. The problem for Notre Dame is they haven't been winning hardly any of those battles. You're going to start winning more of those battles. And you know, the two or three kids a year that you're that are the difference between where you are and where you need to be. Obviously you start getting more of those guys and that's, that's going to be the key. RJG Irving asks with all the positive vibes, can you explain how the 85 scholarship limit is counted? Does it start signing day enrollment in school or participation in fall practice? My understanding Ryan is it starts first day classes is when it starts is my understanding but i could be wrong on that it could be like by the beginning of the first week of the season like you know by that monday of the first week of the season now i i was always under the impression it was first day of fall classes but then some schools start fall classes earlier some start them after the season has started and they have, may have changed it to like by the monday of you know the, by the fun day of your first game of the year but you can actually start fall camp over 85 you just have to get down to 85 by some point in time in fall camp which is Usually, it's, it'll come down to a, a walk-on kid loses a scholarship or a kid goes on medical or something like that is normally how that goes. But you don't want to go into fall camp above 85. That's a rare, rare, rare thing. And then the second part of his question, seems like roster management and playing, planning, retention is moving up the priority list. Good problem to have, but also not easy. Thanks and cheers. I don't think it's moving up the priority list. I think it's just the manner in which players are being treated now, which goes back to the show Sean and I did on Saturday, the change in culture in Notre Dame. It's just you're having less kids leaving that you don't want to leave. I mean, Notre Dame was losing a lot of kids that they didn't want to lose. And kids want to stay now. So I don't think it's become more important. I just think it's – it's. I mean, Brian Kelly wanted to keep kids. He didn't want to have five receivers transfer in one offseason. That's not something he wanted to do. It's just you created a culture in which that's what happened. So I think it's it's more about that than it becoming a greater priority. I just think they're being more effective at keeping guys and to the point where – they kept more guys than they thought they were going to keep, <laughs> which right. is, you know, put them in a unique situation. Uh, off topic of rec- off the topic of recruiting, I feel like Notre Dame sports are in such a great place right now. So much cross sports, cross sport support, and cross coach support. I feel like they really changed with Marcus Freeman being hired. I think that's part of it. I think there's been a lot of coaching turnover. If you really think about it, like you know, Marcus Freeman's new, but Niall Ivy's what third year uh link jarrett's in his third year i mean there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of new coaches a lot of the older established people have changed a lot of these coaches are younger Uh, i think that they're there there's a you know they understand a lot of them are former players i mean link jarrett played division one baseball ivy was a national championship point guard marcus freeman was a an all big 10 linebacker they got drafted in the nfl they understand and remember what it was like having the basketball team at your football game or what it was like when they were at basketball games and how the basketball players would respond and things like that. I just think there's there's more love for the university than, and understand that hey, being being on the same page with these other sports is good for us and good for us in recruiting. And they're good. That's the other thing is you know what's the expression right? Right, game recognizes game, right? Like you know these programs are all strong. Would the would would Notre Dame's campus be supporting the baseball team like they have if they were what they were under the previous coach? No, they wouldn't. It's, right. you know, you, you also want to support something good. And I've heard this a lot, especially from younger fans. But man, this is the best time I've ever had covering, you know, following Notre Dame sports because they're just good in all the, ma- I mean, it was, you know, football teams have been really good. Now you have a head coach you like. The men's mm-hmm. and women's basketball teams were both in the NCAA tournament this year and I believe won games in the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, the hockey team made another deep run. They've been to the Frozen yep. Four a couple times lately. The baseball team is was made to postseason for a second year in a row uh, this year. That last year they outplayed Mississippi State and just they had like two bad innings that whole series. that cost them the series. You know, it took Mississippi State down to the wire. This year they beat number one Tennessee. You know, obviously the other sports like fencing is. I mean the the men's lacrosse team got absolutely screwed by not getting the NCAA tournament. They should have been the NCAA tournament. The women's softball team, I did they make the NCAA tournament or did they just they? I thought they made it or I, they could have just missed the cutoff. But they have. they were they were ranked at times this year. The women's lacrosse team is really good. I mean, fencing wins championships every every year. I mean, I can't think of many Notre Dame sports right now that aren't really good. And you know, it just it, it to me it just creates an exciting atmosphere on campus, and I think that helps recruiting for the football team as well. Big Jim says, Mister and Mrs. Schuler are awesome. Keep getting a Don back to their name to help build the class. Same with the Bowens; that can't be cheap. No, it's not. It's a little cheaper for the the Bowens that live in Indiana. It's a little cheaper for them, but yeah, the others, it's it's it, it's not cheap, especially now. Yeah. Kenny, Moore. well, that's what th- there were so many on campus this weekend because they're everything was being paid for. It's a lot easier to do that uh, when you're mm-hmm. when you're uh, you know when you're down there, and and it's like you know, the schools paint the way. It's a little easier to do that. Sure. Kenny Morris, the elite programs are definitely taking notice of what Notre Dame is doing. I think they started noticing last year when Marcus Freeman started plucking recruits they usually get. That's a great point. Fair, yeah. I mean, you went into Michigan and got Josh Burnham and Nolan Ziegler. Nolan Ziegler, you understand, because he was a Notre Dame. I mean, literally Notre Dame's in his, you know, his heritage. You know, I mean, he's had family members have played at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But getting J- Josh Burnham—that to me was the first big strike. That the, going into Michigan's backyard and getting Josh Burnham, a lot of Michigan people thought for a while they were going to get him. That was the first strike, and then you know, then you flip Junior Chialamaca, and then you beat Bama and Washington for Benjamin Morrison. Jaylen you know, you get Jalen Sneed. You, Sneed. Yeah. you know, you, you, you everybody thinks Tyson Ford is going to Oklahoma, and then Marcus Freeman shows up, and literally a week later he commits to Notre Dame. You know, Aiden mm-hmm. Gobyro was considered a, a, a strong Penn State lean until Marcus Freeman showed up. So I think there's been a lot of that, I think. So I think I think Kenny's right. This isn't new. And this is why I told all of you way back when that, and I've been saying this for years, even before Marcus Freeman's here, the rest of college football world has seen what has happened at Notre Dame in recent years from a facility standpoint. A lot of the things they used to be able to hammer Notre Dame for aren't true anymore. And so now it's the petty stuff like weather and 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 talking about like the girls aren't attractive. You know, it's like, how would you know? When have you ever been on Notre Dame's campus? You're just giving some nonsense to try to, you know, oh, the academics are too tough. It's all the petty stuff that Notre Dame can easily combat. Right. It's 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 when the facilities suck and the football team hasn't been good and they don't support the program. They don't pay their coaches. When all that stuff was true, it was a little harder. That still hasn't been true for years. And you just didn't have a coach that knew how to sell it. And, and I've been, and I told people this on this chat and on our boards, especially I've been told by coaches on staffs that have won titles in the last decade, that the last thing that they wanted to see was somebody that at Notre Dame, that was a strong recruiter. Relentless. And yeah, I mean, and I, I remember talking, it's like two years ago, I was having a conversation with a division one coach. He coaches at a school. I mean, you know, multiple Playoff appearances. I mean, cha- conference championships. I mean, just big time program. He's like, man. He goes. Whenever we would hear about a kid looking at at Notre Dame, we, we never even sweated it. Like we we knew we weren't going to lose Notre Dame because there was only one position that we ever got nervous about Notre Dame, and it was offensive line when stand was still there. Sure. And so it's a direct quote. He's like, but we 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 don't even think about Notre Dame. And and then that same person, like about a year later, was like. When Marcus Freeman got hired, he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, of course, we've seen what he's been able to do. So, yeah. John A1, how well is the coaching staff gelling? All reports sound good, but does the staff genuinely enjoy working with each other? Will it be hard for an assistant to want to leave when they're building? Okay, so gelling, it's still a work in progress. It takes time to do that, but from all reports, things are going well. I think the defensive staff especially – is working well the offensive staff is still a work in progress but it's coming along well Uh, I just think that there was so much more turnover there you know what I mean like where the offensive defensive staff you know O'Leary and Mickens were there plus Freeman and then Al Washington had a relationship with two of the coaches on the staff he already knew Marcus Freeman they'd worked together he already knew Mike Mickens right so it was just a little easier to I mean the only outsider was Al Golden Mm -hmm. offensively, Dila McCullough doesn't necessarily have the connection with anybody on staff. Chancey Stuckey didn't have a connection. The only connection he had is gone and and John McNulty. uh, Jared Parker knows the head coach, but he doesn't know anyone that's on the staff. The only people that knew each other was Tommy and Coach Eastan. And so I think it's just going to take a little bit more time with that. Uh, Do they enjoy working with each other? From all reports, yes. Will it be hard for assistants to want to leave what they're building? No, I don't think at the end of the day it won't, because when they leave, they're leaving for career advancement right? Like Al Golden's not going to, or I mean, Al Washington's not going to leave Notre Dame, I don't believe, to go be the D-line coach somewhere else. It won't be super hard if, you know, a big-time program wants them to be their head coach or a defensive coordinator. Uh, that's a little different deal. I mean, will it be hard? It's not easy, but it's not hard either, if that makes sense. Like, it's emotionally not easy, but mm-hmm. practically it is because I have my goals, and if a program that I believe helps me get there is going to help me, then it's it's not It's not that difficult, and I think most coaches understand that respect. And that's ultimately what you want. I mean, if you're Marcus Freeman and your position coaches are leaving for coordinator jobs and your coordinators are leaving for head coaching jobs, that's a good thing for your program because that means when you have openings, the next guy that wants to follow that same track is going to want to be a part of what you're doing. And, you know, that's – I mean, who was the best – who got the best job of a, of a Kelly assistant? It was what, Lee – Getting the head coaching job at Vanderbilt. I mean, everything else is just promotions from the same, like Elko going to AM, but that's the same position. I mean, the other guys were what?
2: Charlie uh, Molnar got
1: the UMass job. Did Jeff
2: Quinn get a head coaching job?
1: But that was from Cincinnati.
2: Oh, that's from. uh, that was,
1: but that was Buffalo, right? You got Chuck Martin got the Miami, Ohio job, right? I mean, I I can't. uh, uh, Audrey Denson got the Charleston Southern job, head coaching job. And then Clark Lee got the Vandy. It's the worst job in the SEC. So it's not exactly like, hey, if you're a coordinator, come to Notre Dame and you're going to become a big-time head coach. That That's just not the path that it's been. So if that were to happen under Marcus Freeman, it would certainly be impactful in my opinion. Yep. Jason Saxon says, I see that N- Dawesburg is now trending to Notre Dame on two sites. Uh, I, I just want to remind people that we have been saying this for a while. This should not be a new thing. this it's is like people ca- <laughs> yeah this is people catching up to what we've been telling you all for a while about how this one was trending. Uh, Jim big Jim well we actually played we showed that one earlier uh 99 problems with bk1 I don't see if I didn't see the uh the, the first one I'll go try to find the first one but he says uh, how is Notre Dame going to manage 85 scholarship limit It seems like Notre Dame could hit up to 30 commits in 2013 2023, 50 now and 15 more that are realistic to some extent. I think the only way, Ryan, that they get to that number is if they literally land every single kid that they want. And as good as this coaching staff has been, that's not realistic. That Ohio State's never done that. Bama's never done that. Georgia's never done that. Clemson's never – you never get every single kid that you want. So they're going to miss out on somebody. It's just – You know, so I still think 27 is probably the max. Yeah. If the right, like if they're 27 and Caleb Downs decides on the signing day that I want to come to Notre Dame, they're going to go to 28 and figure it out, right? Like, but I think 25 to 27 is more of a realistic number. Um, You know, and then like he says that, you know, part two, including possible targets, staff won't turn down ever like Caleb Downs. I just don't see them getting to 30 because I think that would be a little too much to have to handle in my opinion, I just, that's going to be, that's a little much, Ryan. I, I just, I'm trying to do the math. I, I did something yesterday where I looked at the numbers and I did it again. Like you're going to have to lose, like it, you're going to have to lose a couple kids. You don't necessarily want to lose to get to 27. You'd right. really have to lose some guys from your current roster to get to, to 2000, to get to, to 30. And then, then you run the risk of, did you deplete your current roster too much to where you're now too young of a team? Sure. That would be the, the issue.
2: No so. that is a uh, that is roster management 101 I guess at that point mm-hmm. that is or not even 101 that's like an advanced roster management situation yeah. right so right, yeah i mean like you said before we talked about it right it's law of averages you're not going to bat a thousand but so yeah. I, I think i think we've talked about it. i think 27 is a n- number that you can work with so mm. i agree with you on that
1: with you chess with a super chat thank you really says regarding the scholarship limit from ncaa bylaw a kid is counted when he Both enters the fall or spring term and receives the first dollar in institutional financial aid. So basically the first day of class. That's what I thought it was. I just wasn't sure if that had been modified for schools that start the semester after the football season starts. I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure if there was like, you know, because I had heard at one point in time, like that was the rule. This is the rule that I said that I thought it always was. But then, like I said, some schools start much later. And, and so it's just an inter. I just, it's it's an interesting dynamic that is, that is for sure. <laughs> is it bad? I'm now interested in watching LSU post game BK interviews when they go seven and five or eight and four, his spin is going to be at an all time high because if Notre Dame is a playoff team. His crutch might not
2: hold. I'm, I'm going to watch every single one. You Don't ever put it,
1: it past Brian Kelly to be able to spin a narrative and have people buy it. He's very good at that. And I'm not saying this, I'm, he's very good at that. Very good at that. He showed that for the last several years. Tyler Wenzel, can you guys compare and contrast saying a car? Who is the better prospect? Well, Ryan, you want to take a shot at that first?
2: Yeah, I think comparison wise, I would say car's a little taller, right? Has a little better frame to work with. I think both are good athletes i think Saiyan might have might be a little more twitchy maybe i don't know like i feel like i feel like car is a little better in the pocket but i think saying can do things out of, out of structure a little better and i do think that Saiyan has a slightly stronger arm but i think that Carr kind of has just a, a understanding of how to play a position right now and he's insanely accurate like i think he's just a more mm-hmm. accurate player than a Saiyan right now so i think in the system that Notre Dame wants to run kind of a pro style approach spread system I think that C.J. Carr fits the fits the the bill perfectly, right? And I think that from a, I think he has a great deep ball. I think he's got short to mid. I think he's accurate to all three levels. So I think that C.J. Carr is further along from a real quarterback tangible perspective, intangible perspective than a C. And then a Julian Sane. I think that Sane has pretty nice upside because I think he does have a strong arm. Is a pretty good athlete, but I just think that there are some things that I think from a natural perspective that CJ just does a little better.
1: I think the only caveat I I've said this before, I grade CJ as a, as a higher player. In, just, but I think part of it is you have to be open to the idea of we can put a guy in a ranking one to 10. And I say CJ Carr is a better player. And I believe that, but we also have to understand that's not necessarily true for every system. If you're a system that wants a quarterback, that's more mobile. Like if, if you covet a Tyler Buckner, over a you know i'm trying to think of a a jack cone style player i'm trying that's probably not gonna because jack's got some limitations i'm just trying to think of a bryce young then you're going to want julian saying more now notre dame has tyler buckner but if you look at every other kid that tommy reese has recruited it's been more of a pocket passer dante moore is a pocket passer cj carr is a pocket passer now some of these kids are good athletes drew pines a good athlete He's a pocket passer. Buckner's unique, and when Notre Dame recruited Tyler Buckner, they didn't know he was going to be the runner. He was remember they got him to commit before his monster season. He was more of a passer as a freshman in high school, so that was just more of a, a an added bonus. But if you're like if you're looking for like what Texas was with Colt McCoy, you're going to probably want a Julian San. If you're Ohio State and what they do, you're going to want CJ Carr. So we always have to have the. The, the position the uh scheme fit part of it as part of this discussion but if we're just ranking guys as high school prospects for me cj carr is a better player i've only seen one quarterback so far in 2024 that i rank ahead of cj and again i have not seen all the top quarterbacks i've watched about eight or nine of them the only one that i had ranked higher than him from an upside standpoint and a, and, and a current ability standpoint is the rayola kid going to ohio state that's the only one i ever have ranked at a cj carr he's really good because he has so much better he's got the better physical gifts. He's got a big yeah. arm, you know, he can move uh but just that arm talent and it's not just arm strength but it's arm talent. Uh he's he's my number one quarterback in in, in that class. I mean and, and there's a little bit of distance between him and everybody else in my opinion, right? And I don't okay. know if you agree with that or not, but he's oh, I, he's
2: I I agree yeah. completely. I'm I'm not trying to boast on Ohio State commits too much, but Rayola is the real deal man that ball comes off his hand a little bit differently than most junior yeah. to be in high school right
1: and he has only played quarterback for i mean he hasn't played quarterback for super long so he's he's a very talented kid yep sean kane assume their name gets osbury then how does the 23 linebacker group compare to the 22 linebacker group that's a very good question you know, I would still say the 23 class would be 22 class would still be better to me because there was more of them. Right. Again, we're comparing them as a class. So when I talk about comparing the class, I'm going to compare Josh Burnham. I'm going to count Josh Burnham in that because sure. Josh was recruited as linebacker and he has since moved on. But I think it's the depth of the class. I mean, you had Jalen need to me from a recruiting ranking standpoint is like on par with Drake Bowen. I think Josh Burnham as a prospect is very on par with Jay Nosbury. And then after that, you have Preston Zinter, who I like as a player, but the other class had Junior two Alamaca and Nolan Ziegler. So it would still be a better linebacker class. Now, if you take Josh Burnham out, then maybe we have a different conversation. Uh, but it's 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 on point is they're both outstanding linebacker classes, and Notre Dame's just building that depth. And that's an important thing. And, and there's a lot of positional flexibility in that group as well, which is very
2: important. Seven-year players in a two-year span like that is yeah. pretty outrageous. Which is why
1: you can move a Josh Burnham and not feel like, oh, my gosh, we're feeling terrible about moving this kid. Because you look at it like, yeah, but we got Ziegler, we got Junior, we got Jalen Sneed, we've got Drake Bowen and Preston Zinter already. We can make that move. And and we're recruiting Impemba and Jaden Osbury. And at the time, Darren Gillette, you know, was another guy that was on the board for Notre Dame they were looking at so you could feel better about moving a kid like that and say we're going to be okay it's a nice place to be in james engel says i know we have lamar on deck but what about young or love young we've talked about great player love i'm going to hold off on this james i wanted to bring it up because i don't want you to think we're ducking your question we're going to talk more about jeremiah love on probably a thursday show because we're going to have a preview of this weekend's visitors. And Jeremiah Love will be on campus this weekend. So that gives Ryan some time to, to kind of do some calls and try to get, you know, a feel for where everybody is going to this weekend. I'll talk to my sources and feel uh, how things went. And then we'll we'll talk more. But we'll have much. But look, I do know that Notre Dame would like to take another back in this class. They're not going to force the issue. Like, if they missed out on Love and Young, they're not going to go look for another back. I, unless it's, a, you know, like a dude, a dude. But uh, those are the two guys that they want in that class. All right. Uh, Here's one for you, Ryan, from Top Gun Mm -hmm. Freeman. How did uh, kicker Grant Reddick enjoy his visit this weekend?
2: Oh, thank you so much for asking. I actually have a Grant Reddick update here. So I've reached out to Grant last night. He got back to me. A couple of the quotes from Grant. Great couple days in South Bend. Coaching staff is full of energy. And the campus and facilities are gorgeous. And he also told me that he hopes to visit again sometime very soon. So all indications are that they also did a great job with Brent Reddick. So got to give the kicker some love for the weekend. Mm -hmm. There you go.
1: The world famous Scotty Nitro. I haven't seen you in a while. Curious how you uh, you and your baby are doing, man. Hope you guys are all doing well. Brian and Ryan, of the guys left on the board that we have a legitimate shot at, who is your number one must-get, not counting Dante Moore? I'm glad that he threw that caveat in there, because you know that was going to still be my number one answer. Who is the number one
2: must-get, not counting Dante Moore? Man, it's so. I I still think it's Monroe Freeling. I I still do. I I think getting a true left tackle is important in this class. My mind wanted to go to cornerback, but then the conversation is, who do I value a little bit higher as a player, Monroe Freeling or a Christian Gray or a mm-hmm. Micah Bell, right? Like Micah Bell, I think has huge upside. Christian Gray is a good football player, but I think Monroe Freeling at his peak is just going to be a better player potentially, right? So I defer to the left tackle of Monroe
1: Freeling. Yeah. I mean, I would say the best player on the board, remaining on the board is Caleb Downs, right? Fair. I would put Monroe Freeling in that top three. Like It's him. To me, if I'm just talking like just best players on the board, just ranking, just best players on the board, it's Caleb Downs. I'm just trying to think about this. I I may forget someone, but it'd be Caleb Downs, Dante Moore, and Monroe Freeling. And then Jason Moore Moore and Richard Young are like right after them, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... I mean, it's it, there's so many good players on the board, and I may, oh, I forgot about this guy, and I forgot about that guy. But I but I would say just pure players. I'm going to actually go with your other side, though. I'm going to still say corner, and I'm going to go with Micah Bell. And the reason I say that is, is because Notre Dame needs an infusion of speed at that position, and there's not a faster corner on the board than him. He is a unique player. Plus, you add in the Texas aspect of it. And now if you wanted to say Christian Gray, I would go with you there too. I wouldn't argue with you. I'm just going with Micah Bell just because his style is one that there's an even greater need for just on the roster. A kid that can mm-hmm. run a 10 three in the hundred, like Notre Dame is that, needs. Is more that better. fast? Is that fast? Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, so that's where I would go. But I'm also not going to tell you that you're wrong in your assessment either. If you were to sit there and tell me Jason Moore was that guy, I wouldn't argue with you. If you were going to tell me that. You know, that 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 one of the receivers was that guy because you could make a case that it's Jaden Greathouse or Ronan Hannafin, too, because there's such a neat you just signed. You're going to have four right now. You have four scholarship receivers scheduled to return to the, the team next year. Yep. Right. Like in, you, you could even make a case that receivers even more important from a number standpoint, because at least they have a lot of corners they've signed the last two years. They don't have True. that receiver. I'm only going with corner because right now they have zero on the board. And at least they have Braylon James. I mean, Braylon James top they have a top hundred receiver committed. You know what I mean? And I also feel like Notre Dame would have an easier time getting a grad transfer or two at receiver than they would at corner. That can be a upper level player. So that's why I'm going corner. But I think you could make a case for several different players. And I'm and I'm glad you took Dante Moore off the table because that would have pretty much ended that conversation very quickly. <laughs> Yep. I mean, it's it's still a, five, a five-star a top 10 overall player. At quarterback is still that guy, in my opinion. ND 1002, first time here. I watched but never participate until now. Do you believe that we get Dante Moore? If Notre Dame, I'll say this. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're not. I'm saying there's been so many rumors flying around. I still believe right at the end of the day, if there's Notre Dame... Pushes for Dante Moore. If they continue to push for Dante Moore like they have been, I mm-hmm. still believe that they'll get him. I think Dante Moore wants to be at Notre Dame ultimately. I just think it's been a twisted road. Do I think they will get him? That's a, a question that I'm, I'm not prepared to get into just because I have a couple more ca- calls I have to make this week to just find out where things stand. I don't believe a lot of the rumors that are out there. We've already dispelled some of them on the message board. I think there's a lot of. There are a lot of harmful things being put out by fans, by some folks that cover the team that Ryan and I can attest have been harmful to Notre Dame. And that's why people that do this for a living or supposedly do it for a living on sites that people want to associate with the university that that are putting bad intel out that aren't actually people that do this on an everyday basis uh, that have hurt Notre Dame recruiting trail. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. and so i think need, people need to be more mindful and careful of of the intel they put out which is why we have always taken a stance of i'd rather not put anything out than put something out that's not and i did one time i did that and it was the dante moore was going to announce news and i was like okay this is why i don't do that i'm not going to do it again i think there's been a lot of irresponsible stuff put out about dante and we're going to wait until we hear from all the people that we think are cued into this thing before we before we speak too much on the Dante Moore situation, and I would encourage others to do the same thing. John one, since Hannafin and Tease can only can play other positions, do you, uh, can Notre Dame take five, Hannafin, Tease, James, Greathouse, and Flores? I think they would go there. It just would do depend you, you on
2: – Do you think they still could if they take six at offensive tackle? That's what I was
1: going to say. It depends yeah. on where they are with Monroe Freeling. If Monroe mm-hmm. is giving them indications that he wants to come, I don't know if you can take five receivers as well and also take no actually i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna add even more to this it depends on where they stand with monroe freeling and jason moore okay because i think it's gonna be hard to take 11 players at two positions and then five at another now all of a sudden you've got 16 players in a potential 27 man class tied up in three positions i think that'd be hard so i think one of those three is gonna have to take a numbers hit and with with all due respect i think it's gonna be a It would be this position because you could then go look for a grad transfer in the offseason when you have a better feel for where your numbers are at receiver. You can go get a, you know, again, because you don't necessarily need a receiver that's going to come in as a grad transfer and be a dude. Yeah, it just because you've got your dudes. It's it's Lorenzo Stiles. It's Tobias Merriweather. It's it's Deion Colsey. It's Braylon James. It's whoever they sign in this class. Right. And, and so I think that would probably be the position. But the other thing too to consider is there are some other players that if they don't get Caleb Downs, if they don't get Samuel and Pemba, if they don't get, so then all of a sudden you could, that's where that fifth comes back. If they don't get Jeremiah Love, I think Jeremiah Love's another really important player to this whole puzzle because mm-hmm. it's hard for me to, to justify taking a second back and five receivers. But if Jeremiah Love picks somewhere else, then I think you that's how you get back to five at receiver two. So I think those three positions and how they play out, are going to have a big say on whether or not Notre Dame takes five receivers in this class, in my opinion. Somewhere is going to have to take a hit, and I just don't see them. I don't see Monroe Freeling and Jason Moore being the guy they say no to. I have not heard a single – and, Ryan, you know who I talk to at Notre Dame, and you know who Mm -hmm. I talk to uh, that are sources and the different people we talk to. I have not had a single person tell me that Jason Moore or Monroe Freeling are not guys that they want. Not one. You know what I mean? Is there, there's always talk of we got to figure out how we're going to make this work. But it's always about how we're going to make it work, not I don't know if we're going to take them. And that's how it's been for me. So we'll see how it goes. Jay Henry with a question. Does the potential of Downs, Bone, and Woodyard in 24 scare off other safety
2: recruits? I, it, it might, I mean, it'll – I want to see how I want to take take this. So – if you have three safeties in the 2023 class if Caleb Downs does commit to Notre Dame, then I think it just, I think it messes with the numbers a little bit. Right. I mean like how many you could take. Cause there's going to be two next year. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, cause it's like, we're talking about can you stretch the defensive line recruiting to five? Can you stretch offensive line to six? Like at some point the numbers are just going to kind of dwindle in some areas. So I think if you take three safeties this year, Maybe he could take two next year. Woodyard's one of them. And I know the question, the, the heart of the question from Jay, and I'm assuming this Jay, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the fact that like, hey, there's some talented safeties on the roster. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to come in and are you going to compete? But I pushed back with that because, I mean, we, when I talked to uh, Peyton Bowen after he committed, he didn't just talk about just Kyle Hamilton. He started talking about, wow, Brandon Joseph, right? Like they have Brandon Joseph now, and I would get to learn from him. And I – I think there's a pipeline that's going to be building. So I I don't think that it's going to scare off top safety recruits. I think it just might manipulate the numbers at the position.
1: I'll say this. Will it scare off some players? Yes. But those are the players you want scared off. Simple as that. I mean, there's a reason Bama does what they do. They get big-time players every year. And it's because big-time players – and here's the difference between Bama and some of the other programs that are constantly recruiting high-level. Bama recruits kids that look at the depth chart and say, okay, that means I got to work it means I got to put in the work and you find, I mean, how many times have we seen Bama have players that wait three years or two years to play and then they break out and become first or second round draft picks because they understand you're a part of something you, that competition, that waiting period is going to make you a better player. Cause you can't go to the NFL for three years. Anyway, It'd be different in yeah. basketball where, you know, look, if you're an elite top 10 basketball player, I don't know if you want to go somewhere where you're not going to be one of the guys because, that may, you know, because you you can leave in a year if you go somewhere and be the guy. Football's a different animal. And any kid that's going to be scared off by that, it's like, it's like, okay, good. Now I know. Now I know that you're not a true ultimate competitor, that you don't really truly want to be around the best every single day because you're worried about the depth chart. And it doesn't mean kids don't make good depth chart decisions. But if it's a being scared off, then no. Like, I'm not talking about kids says, I'm going to look at the depth chart and say, okay, does this make sense for me? That's a different deal then someone is going to say, well, I don't want to compete with those. They have too many good players. I don't want to compete with that. It's not a guy you're going to win with anyway, and I'm glad to know that that guy is scared off, it, whoever that fictitious player would be. Lance Rivers, do we need to be concerned about Bubakar Traore visiting Boston College? I'm not yeah, concerned about it.
2: Yeah, you know? especially after his message last night where he's taking an official to Notre Dame and he called it home, right, like getting back home. So now I'm not, I'm not concerned over it either.
1: I think Boston College screwed themselves over a little bit too. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. So it's funny. We actually, I got a text message on a couple days ago from somebody that told me that that Bubacar was um, taking an unofficial to Boston College this weekend. And what y'all have to understand is a lot of these Massachusetts kids, especially the kids from the big time programs in Massachusetts, they will do things that will say, Hey, look, uh, can you mention this? I had a kid one time say, could you mention BC? And then it's this article that you're doing. It's like, well, is BC a legitimate contender? No, no, I just, I want, I want to give them some love. And respect. I really respect what they're doing there. with Coach Haffey and all that. I said, oh, cool, I got that. So you, you do things to kind of, you know, hey, look, can you just go there and, and help? help? And, and they'll do a solid to that. I've had people confirm this to me. And I think that's what was going on with Bubakar, Because if he really wanted to be at BC, why would he have decommitted in the first place? But my other counter to that is, so then it was first reported that it was an official. And then Bubakar came back and said, I enjoyed my unofficial visit to Boston College. And he put a capital U on unofficial. And and then and then multiple BC people came back and said, We have confirmed with people at Boston College that this was an official visit. I'm like, You're done. You have no chance now. Because what you're doing is is, is, is that's gamesmanship. Because they know that Mar- that Notre Dame's been very public with the notion of if you're an official visitor, you know, we're going to drop you. That's the perception. Now, we've clarified that that's not the case. It's not dropping you. It's that your spot's not guaranteed anymore if you are taking official visits. I think they were kind of trying to play a game of chicken with Boubacar and with Notre Dame, and they're going to lose that one, in my opinion. So I think the fact that they doubled down and had these people pointing out that it was true because, like, right after I saw a bunch of those texts go out about I've confirmed this was an official, like, it was, like, right after that, that Bubakar came out with his Notre Dame official visit tweet, and he had home all capitalized, you know, the H all capital, you know, capitalized. So, it, it, any chance I think they had to flip them, I think they they might have they might have burned that bridge a little bit this weekend. I,
2: I think we just kind of need to move past this a little bit because, like, I understand the initial reaction to it, right? Because it's like, sure. oh, someone's taking a visit. Like, I get it. Trust me, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I get it out there, everyone, but. At the end of the day, and this is no disrespect to Boston College, if you're worried about a player taking a visit to Boston College and then flipping you from Notre Dame that you are committed from, I think there's a little bit of a problem there, right? It's not like Mm -hmm. he's going to visit Alabama this weekend or Ohio State or Georgia or a team that – you should legitimately give you worry if you're. I don't right. think that you should be worried about him visiting Boston College. All due respect, Boston. The
1: only way he flips to Boston College is if he's told you don't have a spot here anymore, right? And and Notre Dame has been prepared. Notre Dame knew when they took Bubakar and Devin Houston that they were still going to take Jason Moore, and that they led for Jason Moore. So that this is never this isn't a numbers issue. It's not like he's being kind of forced. That's somebody else. Is he being kind of nudged out? No. And this is why I would just say, don't jump into those, that rumor mill until, you you know, if we say, we'll, well, I promise you, we'll let you know. If there's a legitimate reason to be concerned, we'll let you know. I promise you. We'll let you know. Let's get back to some more questions here. Jame Ingles, imagine Jason Moore and Keon Keely together on the field with Jay Nosberry and Jalen Sneed. It's
2: crazy. Imagine yeah. Jason Moore, Keon Keely, Jay Nosberry, Jalen Sneed, Nolan Ziegler, uh, let's keep going. Vermin, ty, Vernon, Devin yes, Houston, Tyson
1: Ford, Aiden Gobira, Devin Houston, Bubakar Traore, Drake yeah, Bowen. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I always mean, forget about
2: Drake, even though yeah. he's a, you know, top 40 player exactly. in the country. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. No, they ju And you know who else you mentioned? A guy General that may end up starting a Mike linebacker. linebacker this year. <laughs> Yep. Junior to Alamaca, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's it's um, it's insane. It's embarrassment it's, of riches. It really is. Antoine Porche Rideau says, What did Bryant Young's son look like? So I kind of joked with somebody. I said, Hey, did you guys hear that Notre Dame offered Bryce Young? I was like, Wait a minute, hold, what? Well, that's the name of Bryant Young, Notre Dame Hall of Fame defensive lineman, Bryce Young's son. He yeah. is really tall and really skinny, but actually pretty athletic. Yeah, so well, I mean, you know.
2: Should, should be super surprised that he's that yeah i know right Brian, he's, got son, good DNA.
1: But... But he's like he's taller than I mean, he's much taller than his dad already and he's a 20, I know, 24 I, kid
2: i saw i saw a little clip that tom Lemming did with him and he, was, he listened to him at like six foot five 210 yeah. or something like yeah no. i mean he's got a nice frame. Two, the
1: 210 part like his legs are like like yeah that big around right but he's got a nice broad you know broad shoulders for his age and size he's got and he's got at least the picture that we saw, he looks like he's already got bigger feet than his dad. And you know, it's you kind of look at that and it's like, okay, this kid's gonna blow up. But it's a very intriguing offer. We're still trying to do some more digging on that, but I just thought the 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 proud, I mean, think about what the last year has meant for Bryant Young, right? Inducted into the Hall of Fame, his son gets offered by his alma mater. You know what I mean? Like it's been a pretty cool. It's been a pretty cool period, so and and Wes Pritchett's son was also on campus this weekend at mm-hmm. the camp, so that's pretty cool too. So, which makes me feel super old that you know some of these guys that I grew up as like a you know as watching are like now have children that are that are there. So it's a little bit wild.
2: It's, it's, all, it's only going to get worse, my friend. Yep, it's only gonna
1: get yep, worse. yep, yep, yep. Uh, Irishman seven one one four. Can you imagine a defense that has Keely Moore, Vernon, and this is what you were talking about, Ryan Traore, Bowen Osbury, and Pemba, Gray Bell Downs, Bowen Schuler. I see, I see no Josh Burnham on there. Right. I see no Benjamin Morrison on there. No Mickey on there. No Tyson Ford on there. No Nolan Ziegler on there. No, I mean, let's not forget you just left off like four top hundred recruits from last year's class off of that list. Right. And because again, he's, he's just talking about this year's class. Right. I mean, that's just this year's class. And, and that's the whole thing. Cause like, let's, I mean, practically speaking, right. Like why does this matter? And I have an article out today, uh, about how the 24 class is actually off to a faster start than the 23 class. They didn't get their first commitment last year till June 28th. They mm-hmm. didn't get their fourth commit, their third commitment till what was it like uh, September? And they yeah. didn't get like their fourth and their fifth commitment wasn't till like November. I'll be shocked if they don't have at least four kids committed in the 2024 by the end of the summer. I I expect it to be like closer to five or six. Like that. That's what I think. And, and which is way ahead of where this class was. The point is to be a great team, you have to stack the kind of the, the big time classes on top of each other. And the 2022 class had some holes on offense, but landed some very talented players on offense, right? Great defensive class. The key is now you have to go down to, um, you have to go, you're good, Ryan. You have to go down to, you got to do it back to back. So 22 is really good. 23 has got a chance to be even better. They have to close, right? 24 has a chance to be really good. That's what great recruiting is all about. You have to be able to stack those classes on top of each other. And that's really ultimately the key uh, to to really taking this to the next level. That, that's going to be the key for Notre Dame. They've got to close out on this class and keep doing what they're going to do um, in, in next year's class. Get down to some more here. David Solomon says, I may have missed it, but what do you all think about Jordan Hall committing to Michigan State over the weekend? I think it's a good pickup for Michigan State. I think he's a solid player. Uh, I can't remember if I gave him a three-and-a-half star or a four-star grade. He's kind of like on that verge. He's got a big kid. He's like 6'3", 220. You're kind of a Mike linebacker type for me. In most, in most, He had to be a pure Mike in Notre Dame's defense. I did not view him as anything but a Mike in this defense. I didn't think he ran well enough to be like a Will. He was a guy that I liked – but I don't know if I would have necessarily taken right away for Notre Dame, but for Michigan state, it's a really good pickup. I I mean, because again, it's, it's good for Michigan state in three regards. Number one, he's a quality football player and they need to continue upgrading their their roster. Michigan state kind of salvaged their season last year with a bunch of transfers. You can't keep that. I mean, that ball can't keep rolling forever. Not at Michigan state. You have to then start getting the recruiting of high school kids back on track and they've done a nice job. They got a really nice pickup this week. I'm trying to remember, there was another kid they got this week, Ryan, and I'm, and I'm drawing a blank on who they got. It was a good pickup. But they got Jordan Hall. That's a really good pickup. There's some rumb- rumblings that I've read on a couple different sites. This is just me repeating what I've read on some sites because I don't follow mm-hmm. his recruitment anymore directly. You know that Michigan State's got a chance to flip Ryan Yates from LSU. Wow. Right. He he's, he's getting good players, Coach Tucker is. But he's also going around the country to get them. Now, like I said, they got a quarterback last year, uh, the the Hauser kid, that I like a lot from St. John Bosco out in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Hall is from IMG, but also from Virginia. You know, I mean, you, you look at Ryan Yates, it's from one of the best programs in the state of Texas. Like, the fact that he's able to kind of nationally recruit right now, using his SEC ties, the NFL ties, to, to expand the recruiting base is important because he's not going to beat Notre Dame for a Midwestern kid. He's not going to beat Ohio State for a Midwestern kid. They're not going to beat Michigan for most kids that the, the two schools want. They'll, they'll win some battles against Michigan, but not, mom, not most unless, unless Michigan's just dropping the ball, which I don't think they're doing right now in that against against Michigan State. And then Penn State's a hard team to beat. You can't just rely on Midwestern kids. What helped Mark D'Antonio really build a powerhouse, and he, he did a great job taking advantage of two things. One we've talked about, Mark D'Antonio was building up as Michigan was a train wreck under mm-hmm. Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. And he took advantage of that. And then at the same time, remember remember, Penn State was going through a tough time with the Jerry Sandusky stuff and, and yep. their probation. So the two Midwestern powers that he was going against in the Big Ten anyway were struggling, and he took full advantage of that. Well, that's not true anymore. James Franklin's recruiting well. Ohio State's still a juggernaut, and Michigan – I mean, even Michigan's down year outside of covid was like what like 9 and 4. I mean yeah. they're they're not it's they're so far past the Brady Hoke Rich Rod days. And so it's going to be harder to to continue to build your roster the same way with just midwestern kids. Mm-hmm. So Mel Tucker's given them a, a national presence and he's taking advantage of their big season in a way that let's be honest, Michigan is not. Michigan is not taking advantage of their playoff appearance. And we've talked about why But Mel Tucker is. And and for me, getting a kid from IMG, just from a perception standpoint, a four star linebacker from IMG is is it's going to it's going to raise some like, wow, Caleb Presley was on campus this weekend for an official visit from Washington. That's a really good football player. And he's talked Mm -hmm. about coming back. So they're doing a they're doing a really nice job. Really nice job.
2: It looks Good. like last week they had <clears throat> commitments from Demetrius Bell, who is a athlete out of Tennessee, and Chance Rucker, who is a corner out of Texas. So mm-hmm. to your point of national yep. recruiting.
1: Yep. And you look at like they signed several plays from Georgia, several players from Georgia in last year's class. So, yeah, they're they're going all over the place. They're going all over the place. It's It's getting a little bit wild. Savage Cyan Fitness. Hey, Brian, do you think the new energy Marcus Freeman has brought has bled over to other sports teams? I think those things already started, right? Like, with all due respect, Notre Dame's baseball team was pretty flipping good last year before Coach Freeman showed up and started energizing stuff. And what a lot of people forget, Notre Dame was really off to a great start in the in the 2020 baseball season until COVID hit. They were like 11-2. and two. They had just, like, swept. I think it was like North Carolina was ranked. It just like swept North Carolina. Like they were off to a great start then too. So Link Jared's actually had really good teams all three years. It's just the first year got canceled because of COVID. So I think the excitement about the baseball team kind of started already, right? Do I think that the energy that Marcus Freeman brings to the table is bleeding into campus? It is absolutely affecting the campus as a whole. Ryan, you and I were at the spring game. We saw it. We felt it, right? I mean, you saw other sports teams there, alums, all this stuff. He's contributing energy, but I don't think it's necessarily impacting the other sports teams because I think those that success already started. And this goes back to what I said earlier a lot of the new, a lot of the coaches for some of these teams, like baseball, uh, is also sort of a newish coach that is that's finally getting his program where he wants it to be, having the success he's capable of. And that's creating the energy too. Because Notre Dame fans will support winners in most sports, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. And people who haven't paid attention to the baseball team all year are now super fired up about the baseball team because college world series what that's going to do is some of those people that are new on board are now going to continue following the baseball team more and Mm -hmm. that's how you really grow your program but i think that's i think the number one responsibility goes to the coaches that are building those programs up i mean that that's in baseball specifically yes marcus freeman's helping the energy you had notre dame football players driving down to knoxville to be there in person which i thought was cool Mm -hmm. you know they're going to be out in omaha and stuff like that but they're there because of the product that link Jarrett's built. Right. Right. That's, that's the key because they're not down there if Notre Dame's not good because Notre Dame season doesn't be over already. Exactly. Brian Haberstroh, where do we stand with Jaden Greathouse? Why don't you take that one,
2: Ryan? Yeah. I mean, he's coming in next weekend. It's everything. We feel very good about where it is right now. We call Notre Dame the leader for Jaden Greathouse as it stands. It's about closing now for Notre Dame. That's the old, all they have left at this point.
1: I saw this response about, speaking of Jaden Greenhouse. I thought it was perfect to bring it up. Salty Virginia Peanut says oh, I saw Ryan this Yates won't ever come to Notre Dame. Won't come to Notre Dame. He doesn't want to ever see Jaden Greathouse again, especially not for five practices a week, heavy on competition. He's still in therapy. <laughs> That's messed up.
2: That's really that messed, messed up. up. Ryan Yates is such a nice kid, too. That's so <laughs> he messed is. Up.
1: But Jaden Greathouse did some serious damage, serious damage to him in the in That's the fair. postseason. Anthony Solomon with the super chat. This is for Brian's Mountain Dew Fund. Thanks for the content. No, thank you for your contribution to my uh, Notre Dame, my Mountain Dew Fund. I appreciate that. Uh, Sean S. with the super chat. May have missed it. Uh, New musings on Richard Young. Nothing that we haven't already talked about. He's supposed to be on campus the next three days. Uh, We won't really have anything new on him until the visit's over. I mean, he's never been to Notre Dame before. This is all going to be new. Notre Dame was kind of late getting into the top list for him. We won't really know anything until he gets through the visit. And I don't even know if it's officially started or not yet. I don't know if he flew in last night, like some other kids. If he flew in today, we'll try to get some more in in tow. We've kind of been a little busy the last couple hours doing this. I'm kidding with you, Sean. But, (laughs) But honestly, there won't be anything worthwhile coming out until the visit's over, to be honest with you. Uh, Alan Watson with a super chat. Thank you, Alan. Good problem coming with these better players, and that's the early exit of some players. Just don't hope it doesn't affect our graduation rate too much. Well, see, that's the thing, though, Alan, is because kids are enrolling earlier at such a greater rate, because, because summer school has been become much a more prominent thing where it didn't used to be, most of these players are graduating in three years. The vast majority of players are graduating in three years, especially the early enrollees. So it's not really impacting their graduation rate. Uh, Lawrence Keys graduated from Notre Dame. Micah, Micah Jones graduated from Notre Dame. You know, so so you're seeing a lot of those kids still graduate, and those are the guys that are like that are leaving. Not it's not like f- you're forcing a freshman out. It's it's guys leaving after their third year. Shane Simon, who transferred, graduated from Notre Dame. You know, so a lot of these kids that have graduated, Sibo Flemister's graduated from Notre. Dame. A lot of these kids that are leaving the program now are guys that graduated. And, and so, yeah, and I think the other thing is some of the early exits going to be guys going to the NFL too. Like, let's not let's not act like that's not going to be a, a thing too. If Notre Dame's really good this year, right. you're going to see you're going to see that.
2: I, I think a lot of movement, honestly, Brian, is going to be by kids that that have gotten their degree already, right? Like the grad right. transfer route. I think because I, I mean, why did you come to Notre Dame? It's because you valued right. that degree and that education, right. right? Like, I don't think right. that that's yeah.
1: You're not going to leave when you're like a semester away from graduating from Notre Dame. You're just exactly. You saw that with Lawrence keys. He he could have left in the winter, but he decided to stay and finish up getting his degree. And that was important to him. Yeah. And you're you're going to see more of that. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be. I mean, you know, we saw it last year. Kendall Labrador, Rahman, Jordan Johnson. Sure. Some kids are going to transfer, but that's that's kind of always been the the, the the case. That's yeah, it's always been there. Savage Science Fitness. Hey Brian, uh, you think uh, maybe some recruits will, will consider will reconsider no, coming to Notre Dame after our baseball team handed Tennessee a huge L yesterday? That's not going to have any impact on football recruits. Yeah, I
2: don't think so either. Yep. Like it,
1: it's cool. Like Notre Dame's current commits are going to be, like, oh, that's really cool. Like love the energy. But like Cardinal Tate's not going to watch what happened yesterday. Like, hmm, maybe I should give Notre Dame a second look because uh, it just has nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Still a cool story, but it's not going to impact recruiting. Last, I'm we're sure Drake.
2: I'm sure Drake Bowen was really pumped yes. up though. We talked now, about see, that yesterday. But, hey, look,
1: but there's some two-way players that are going to come along that that you know Notre Dame being good at baseball is going to have an impact on, right? For sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Those are just not many. Uh so yeah, if there's another baseball player out there like Drake Bowen, sure, it could have an impact there, but n- not other kids. Zacko, uh, any insight on the little brothers? Eli Bowen and Jay Sean Lamar?
2: Um, I, so Jay Sean Lamar, I know when I talked to the head coach out there at Lake Stevens, he told me that, I mean, Jaden younger brothers, a dude as well, apparently I think, I think Jaden had 23 rushing touchdowns and his brother, that was only a freshman last year had 14. So he is going to be a guy that's going to be monitored, obviously uh, way too early to tell on that front. I think Eli Bowen is a really interesting player. He's in the 2024 class, a little bit of a smaller corner, right around five foot nine, Really talented kid, though, as far as his understanding of the game, quick twitch. I think he's a fan of Notre Dame. I think the fact that his brother now seems even more, you know, very solid in his commitment to Notre Dame is going to help a ton. I know that they're close in their relationship as brothers, so we'll see what happens. But I know that Notre Dame likes Eli. Again, a little bit of a smaller corner, but he's a good football player, and I know that he is very uh, receptive to Notre Dame.
1: Got a super sticker from Let Manager One. Thank you very, very, very much for that. Appreciate that very much. Craig Sebring says, "How many re- with a super chat?" Thank you, Craig. How many receivers do we need in this class? I think the need is four. Ryan, you, yep,
2: agree. The need what is up there.
1: Yep. yep. The need is four. Agree with you completely. Cole Barker, thank you, Cole. Love the show, guys, and especially the message board. Do you feel we will get a couple public commits before July? I don't know about a couple. I think they'll get one. Well, twenty-three. I think they'll get a couple yeah. commits if we include twenty twenty-four. I think I think by the end of June, there's a good chance they'll get at least two public commitments if we include both classes. But I, twenty-three I alone, I don't think they'll
2: get more than one. Yeah, I, I think for twenty twenty three, I think July is gonna be a little bit of a bigger yeah. month than June from an announcement right. perspective. But I agree. If you if you couple twenty twenty-four kids, you could have a chance to get two right.
1: public. Let's just say hypothetically, in, in, in that that Christian Gray and Rico Flores committed this weekend in their they're still going to commit in July. They're still going to go public in July. Let's say Micah Bell comes on campus this upcoming weekend and Notre Dame blows it away and, like, he's, I'm going to Notre Dame. Why Why does he need to – he's two weeks away from his his scheduled commitment date. Why, why would he need to change that, right? Right. It, the staff – all the staff cares about you let us know you're coming and then you take the steps that you need to take to come in, right? Uh, the, there's other kids that have July – you know, that will probably set up some July visits. So uh, commitments, I mean. So I, I think it wouldn't shock me if they get – if they get two kids, I just don't know who those would be because so many of those kids have either A said, I'm not committing now, and or others have scheduled commitments coming up soon. That, like you mentioned earlier, like and the reason I brought up Rico Flores because you mentioned there's a reason he's committing mm-hmm. July 4th, and it's not because CBS Sports told me to. Mm-hmm. There's, a, a, a fan, like, there's a deep personal reason to him. And if Notre Dame tried to get him to change that, you're going to end up hurting your recruitment with him. Sure, And and so like, that's why we're, you know, because you said public commitments. And I like that he said that, public commitments. So I, yes, do I feel to get a couple public commitments before July? If we include 2024, that makes me more confident saying yes. If it's just 2023, I three, I'm, I think there's only one for sure that I feel really confident about that he's going to go public in June. And even there, it's not been told to me that he will. It's more of a, I'm trying to read the tea leaves and think of feeling all right. Right. Raging right. Cajun asks, Brian, do you think Micah Tease is elite? How is his skill set of receiver? I'll answer the first part, Ryan, if you could discuss the second part, because I know you've sure. watched a lot of Micah Tease as well. Uh, do I think he's elite? No. I think he's very good. Elite to me is like if we're, it's like top 30. If you're a top 30 player, you're you're truly elite. I'd say, uh, let me smell. if you're a top 50 guy, you're an elite player. I mean, I would say that. I think because of the numbers. I think if you're a top 50 guy, you're an elite player. I would say that uh to varying degrees but he's just not that he's a top 100 to 150 guy for me Ryan I think you have him a little bit higher than that I think I could be wrong I could be confusing with somebody else Mm -hmm. he's very good but he's not elite in my yeah
2: I I don't I don't think he's an elite player either I I have a comp for him Brian actually as a receiver who which I don't think people are going to like too much because I'm comparing him to a former USC receiver but he reminds me a lot of Marquise Lee I don't know if you remember him too much but like he's got kind of that inside outside feel to him. I'd say that he appears faster than maybe he actually is because he's just a little deceptive with his speed. Right. And I think that he can kind of be a multi-level threat and I think he's got some yak to him too. So I think he is a really talented football player on both sides of the ball. I still prefer him at corner. And if I remember correctly, I think, I think Marquise Lee may have been a cornerback coming out of high school as well. They were kind of flipping between wide receiver corner and in that recruitment as well. So I think that he has upside as a wide receiver slot option that can also work outside, kind of can do varying things. And I think that he's a really smooth, explosive football player.
1: Jake Piper pool of players hasn't grown as far as academically qualified for Notre Dame. The bed has been casted out further to get better, more talented players. This is a reflection of, on, on Freeman and company. And Ryan, right. I mean, I I think this is an absolutely spot-on comment. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, a oh, wow, that's a weird year where there happens to be a lot of really highly ranked guys. You know who else was fully qualified to come to Notre Dame? Not even close. Reggie Bush. You know what I mean? Like I could go down the list of players and say these guys were all academically. Most of the starters for Clemson in 2018 were academically qualified. A.J. Terrell could have got into Notre Dame. They screwed that recruitment up. Brian Van Gorder screwed that recruitment up. Right. Trayvon Mullen was actually academically qualified to get into Notre Dame. Christian Wilkins was beyond academically qualified to get to Notre Dame. He went to a private school in Connecticut and graduated in five years at Clemson with two degrees. I know. I know. Right. He could have handled the Notre Dame academic workload. He could have got into school. They got out recruited for him. And, and it just kind of go down the line over and over and over and over. And that's been the issue. This notion that Notre Dame Has this incredibly difficult standard. I've been told this several times. Stanford's harder to get into, but easier to have success in once you get there than Notre Dame. Notre Dame is easier to get into for athletes, at least football players and basketball, like the main sports. I don't, I don't, and I'm only saying that because I don't know how it works for other sports. It's not that I've heard different. I just, I only know football and basketball it's easier to get into Notre Dame than Sanford from an admissions requirement standpoint standpoint for athletes, but they require more of their players. And it's harder to kind of go through your four years. But this notion that Notre Dame has just been able to just not get top players. It's like there's one time somebody said, well, only 40% of the top hundred players in the country get to Notre Dame. I'm like, well, you can only sign 25 guys a year. So you can sign, you could sign those guys and still have 15 left over. You can't take. Right. If that number's true. And so uh, Alabama doesn't land 25 top 100 players a year. They don't. They land like 15, eight, you know, sometimes, but not not 40, not 25, not 30. And so it was always a BS excuse that some people that covered the team would kind of grab onto and use to kind of, you know, lay down cover fire for the for the coach. And I just never bought that because I knew the kids they were losing and I knew these kids were fully qualified to get to Notre Dame. And then I saw some of the kids in Notre Dame was getting into school. And I'm like, if you can get that guy into school, I know you can get that guy into school. You just got beat. You just flat got beat or you signed a bunch of really good players and you didn't develop them like Mm -hmm. Phil Dracovic and Brandon Wimbush and Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser. And you know what I mean? You go down the list. It was more about, do you want to put in the work to get these kids? Yeah. That's the difference. And, and, and that's why LSU is having the same problem right now that Notre Dame has had for the last 10 years. And it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. And and so this notion that, you know, Notre Dame is just it's just really hard to get – it's not easy to recruit at Notre Dame. It's not. It, you can't get every single kid that you want. There's just some kids – that you just like, you know what, like, A, even some kids that can get into school, you probably shouldn't bring to Notre Dame. That kid's not a fit at Notre Dame, right? That's true. And and you need to make some of those decisions. And this staff is making those decisions. But this notion that Notre Dame couldn't always recruit at a top five to eight level consistently the last seven, eight years was nonsense. And, And really beyond the last, because Charlie did it. I mean... Charlie Weiss had two good years in Notre Dame, lost three games both years. Mm-hmm. Then he goes three and nine. And what do they do at the end of that three and nine year? They sign the number two class in the country. And then the next two years they land guys like Manti Teo, Tyler Eifert, you know, CJ, you know, Zach Martin, uh, Theo Riddick, Sear Wood. They will signed a ton of NFL players the next two years. And coming off crap teams. You know, like Ke- Kelly Kelly comes in and and after they go eight and five against and and finish strong, they sign a top a, a really that had three five star defensive ends in it, right? And and so it was always about do you want to put in the work to get there? And the reality is is that Kelly just didn't want to put in the work. You can't be gone for five six months of the year as the head coach of Notre Dame and recruit and land the players at Marcus Freeman's landing. Couldn't do it. And so Brian Kelly spun this narrative of this we're going to do. And you knew it was a narrative because every time that there was evidence against it or some people would have the courage to speak out against it, like, you know, there's the year I was hammering uh, Kelly always for recruiting. And then Carter Carell's wrote a really good article where he quoted some really good players saying he didn't really talk to him or he didn't have engagement. And like that signing day, they, it was like this, this, Puff up Brian Kelly sign they talked more about Brian Kelly and the work he did and recruiting and all this than they actually did about the kids that signed with Notre Dame. you remember that a couple years ago? It was like this yeah, it was like this like hype bunch of hype men coming out like Elston did it and then Polian did it, and it was just like you know it's sinking home because if somebody said that about Marcus Freeman right now, do you know what they would do? They'd probably not talk to that guy anymore because you're you're spreading nonsense, but they're not going to go out there and have this pushback because it's it's I'm pushing back because it's true. Right. And you got You're losing the narrative and you've got to get the narrative back. And that was always true under Brian Kelly. And uh, I don't know if every coach that works hard is capable of doing what Marcus Freeman's done to this degree. I don't think that if Brian Kelly would have worked hard, they'd have number one or two classes every year. That then takes away from what makes Coach Freeman unique from a personality and cultural standpoint but could they have been five to eight every year under Kelly if he worked hard? Yes, they could have and should have. And, and so, you know, to me, that's the, that's the reality of it. And um, I think that's where you say, you're glad that coach Freeman's here for two reasons. Number one is he's going to put in the work that, and he's going to demand that everybody else does it. And then the second reason is he's got the personality, the character, he's the type of person that then kids want to play for. Mm -hmm. So instead of being five to seven, five to eight, because you're working hard and Notre Dame has such a great product to sell, you're now jumping up to one to three because you have someone that's special in place. Right. And I think that's where Notre Dame is at right now. Uh, So, uh, you know, I think that's, that's why you're seeing what you're seeing, but there, there will, there will come some spin from some circles. Well, they've oh, they've softened the admission standards. I can assure you that's not the case, just like it wasn't the case last year when Notre Dame signed its best defensive class in almost a decade since 2013. Right. It's not a coincidence that it happened the minute Marcus Freeman showed up. And if it was because the admission standards got easier, what the freaking heck happened on offense? Right. So I don't, uh,
2: don't have an answer for you. All I can say is there was because right? uh... we know the answer. So anyway, in, in
1: the past, that's all. exactly, exactly. So anyway, that's our stance. I think that's a great way to end the show, Ryan. I think that's a great place to end it. Hey everybody, before you leave, please do us a favor: hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, share the podcast, and remember, the notification is going to go up in about thirty minutes tonight, six o'clock Eastern. Sean Styers will have uh, the first edition of the IB Nation Sports Talk Show. Going to talk a lot about the baseball team tonight. Also, we're going to talk about – he's gonna, he is going to talk about some other things. We did get a super chat here real quick from Christopher Morgan. Hey, IB Nation, do you know any 2025 quarterbacks that you think Notre Dame might have a chance at, like with uh, Ryan Montgomery Ryan Downs, would be great? Really early for that, Notre Dame's had a lot of 2025 quarterbacks on campus this summer. Another name that you need to add to that list is you, Ryan – Yes, say Bryce it. Bryce
2: Underwood, baby. Bryce go. Underwood. He is
1: special. <laughs> I know Michigan's in a good early place with him. Notre name's going to recruit him as well. Uh, but it's way too early for that, Chris. Thank you for the Super Chat, though. But I'll say this. Getting CJ Carr, if you go look at some of the kids that have been on campus this summer at the camps, Tom Reese has had a lot of the top 25 quarterbacks on campus thrown in front of them so you can start to evaluate the evaluation process. So they are already working on that. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I've yet to see a 25 quarterback that's better than Bryce J. Underwood. Uh, So uh, appreciate that very much. And I'm sorry to get to that sooner. But tonight, everybody, like I said, remember, we will have that show kicking off at 6 p.m. Eastern. So that's why you need to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. So you're gonna be reminded of it's gonna be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is when that show is gonna be. Also a reminder that this new show is also resulting in a change in our podcast schedule that will also start tonight. And that is... So normally when I would end the show, I'd end it. And then I'd kind of get to some other work. We would then take this podcast, cut it up and then publish it on the, on, we'd take the show, cut it up, edit it, add the commercials. And then we'd publish it on the podcast format in the the next morning. So what we're going to do now is when I'm done here, I'm going to start working on the podcast now, get it edited and then publish those in the afternoon. So like right after, so they're a little fresher on the podcast And then we'll take Sean's show and we'll put that up in the morning. So if you're someone who listens to shows in the morning, you'll still have these shows to on your drive the next day, but they will be actually published at night as well. And sometimes you may be able to get them on your drive home, but then Sean's show will come up in the morning and, and you'll have that in the morning as well. So I'm very, very excited about that. So we're just bringing you more content. Again, a reminder when you tune in to Sean's show tonight, and I would ask all of you to tune in tonight to to just – Sean does a great – and all the pe- local people will tell you Sean does a great job. Ryan's gone on with him before. I've gone on with him before. It's not going to be a – a it's not going to be someone else doing the same exact show we do. It's going to be a different feel, different format. It's going to take a different angle. There's not going to be a and a afterwards. So it's just going to be different so I just want you to be prepared for that. That's why we're calling it Sports Talk. We want to have we want to have a more broad influence on other sports. So that way when me and Ryan are here talking, we're sticking to football, right? And so now we've got Vince and Sean and some other people that can expand it, expand sort of the the reach that we have while the football guys stick to football. So definitely definitely check that out tonight. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. Cannot wait to hear it. I will definitely be tuning in. I know Ryan will be tuning in. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does because he did a great job on the radio, and I'm so excited he's part of our team. So tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern, PM, uh, Sean Stiers on the IB Nation Sports Talk Show. So everybody, for Ryan, I'm Brian. Have a great, great rest of your day. Mace AK is spot on. IB Nation keeps getting better. I agree. Have a great day, everybody. Uh, Hopefully, you'll see a couple of y'all in in about two and a half hours for Sean's show. Uh, And then after that, we'll see you again tomorrow, 1 o'clock. We're going to have some team topics that we will get into. And uh, it's going to be a great, great week. So I appreciate y'all being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast.